What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Yeah, it's been a couple days since the last upload. Uh, been a little busy trying to help my wife with some of her technology stuff. And uh, here's a question for you guys, all you techie people out there. Um, Zoom. My wife had a problem with her sound. Got all that figured out. Uh, she had some hardware acceleration that was kind of screwing with her and everything. But sharing a PowerPoint on Zoom as a presenter... And everybody sees a blurry image or two images, like like almost ghosted, uh, stuttery kind of video. So my wife's laptop is new because I fried her old one the other day while uh, trying to change the battery out. And when I unclipped the battery cable, it pulled the socket right. And like I could feel it peel off of the uh, motherboard like a piece of cardboard. I mean, it was, it was not good. Anyway, I, I can't solder that back on. I'm not going to pay somebody to solder it back on. The laptop's like three or four years old and it doesn't know anybody anything. So I got her another laptop, but she's having this issue now and I can't figure out why it's never been an issue on anything else before. So if any of you have ideas, let me know. I've, uh, yeah, I've tried to figure it out and I just can't. So anyway, let's read some tech support stories. When a windstorm wants to play in a coffee shop. I'm not official IT. I just know enough about our company's computers to keep them running and install new parts when one breaks. This is a story of one breaking. Tropical Storm Lee is hitting our small Canadian province directly, but the hype was mostly nothing for our part of the province. However, we happen to have these small little power flickers that nobody would overly care about, right? And obviously in a privately owned coffee gas station would have decent battery backups, right? Wrong. I've been maintaining these machines that for the most part work, and I was granted funds to buy a new battery backup for the one that died. I didn't know what happened to this retired machine until today. Turns out the coffee shop's main server PC tower had a battery backup that died and needed a replacement. So logically, they would grab another battery backup. And what did I find? The dead battery backup that had been replaced powering the server. Horribly. So whenever a power flicker happened, the machine would instantly die. That means any coffee order in the drive-thru and walk-in now has to wait 5 minutes for the machine to boot. Multiply that by the 30 minutes I spent scrambling for a solution, and you got a hot mess in a coffee shop. At the 30 minute mark, I clued in why the server died, but not the drive-thru, and I started digging into the forest of wires and see a battery backup happily chugging along. I grab a power bar from our storage and replace the backup power with a power strip and hook the server up to a battery backup, and all's good in the world. Side note. Took apart the machines and found the batteries to be very spicy pillows. Not sure I totally understood all of that there. So it was a bad backup? The batteries were overheating? Expanding? Were they not hooked up right? I'm... I don't know. <laughs> Just lost. We had an issue once where we had a battery backup for one of the church PCs where I worked. And uh, the power flickered, so the computer totally went to battery backup. The problem is, when the power came back on, even though the outlet for the battery backup was hot, it just stayed powering the computer until it died and it never started charging again. So I don't know if something like a, a charge regulator or something like that inside fried in the power supply or the uh, backup. I don't know. Anyway, got to keep up with that stuff if you want to save your equipment. Out of touch. So we provide point of sale systems to a particular clientele. Over the past month, we've had the same person call in repeatedly because their point of sale is unable to connect to our server. 
As a result, customers who are depositing money in their online accounts aren't able to use that balance on the POS and transactions happening on the POS are only able to update the out-of-date balances stored on the local database. They do their best to get a different agent every time and try to avoid mentioning that we've helped them before. Had I filtered the tickets under this account by this person, I would have seen that we'd already done this rigmarole like three or four times before in the last month. I went through the whole process of ruling out an issue with our server, and then with ruling out an issue with the local POS before determining the holdup was likely their local network, which was outside my ability to troubleshoot. I asked them to have their IT make sure traffic over a specific port was open. Oh yes, we know. We've asked them. They keep refusing. They say that could open us to attack. And like, uh, I guess? I mean, I'm level 1 IT, the computer equivalent of a janitor or handyman. I just know how to cobble things together with my big dumb assortment of troubleshooting steps until it works again. I'm not really the most well versed in how networks work. But I feel like having month old out of sync customer data and balances on your cash register is a bit more problematic for your business right this second. I don't know how true it is if, you know, this on-site tech would open up that port or make sure it's free and whatever that they're open for attack. But if he's not willing to be the person to step in and work with the other tech support, then troubleshooting this stuff's going to get harder and harder and they're probably not going to get a good fix. So got to be cooperative. Obviously he doesn't know enough about what's going on to fix anything. So uh, yeah, there you have it. Finally nailed down the problem. Used to work frontline for a 24 seven call center and remembered my favorite nighttime call a few weeks ago. I worked for a financial access company that, as part of our services, rented out terminals, which were essentially a hard drive slapped into a fancy monitor. One night we get a call from a local bartender saying the touchscreen isn't working. Most of these places don't have a mouse and often the issue is just a loose cable or a faulty driver. As I'm getting remoted in to check the drivers, I can hear her loudly telling the bar what a piece of shit company we are, yada yada yada. <laughs> Eventually, we get through troubleshooting, and despite everything showing properly, the bartender keeps saying there's no response on the screen. We decide to put in an after-hours call for a replacement PC slash monitor. Again, this is after-hours, so we had to wake up a tech to get this done. Tech gets there and does some initial troubleshooting and finds the PC and monitor working perfectly. At this point, I don't know what to say, and apologize to the tech and ask if he can walk the bartender through doing the calibration process in case that was the issue. Five minutes pass and the same previously annoyed tech calls back absolutely dying of laughter as he explains what the issue was. The bartender had very, very long acrylic nails and was touching the screen with the nails, <laughs> oh my god, instead of her fingertips. Once we explained the issue, she proceeded to complain we needed to get better monitors. When I asked if she does the same thing on her phone, she answered, of course not, I don't want to scratch the screen. Hmm, have a good day, ma'am. Click. I'll never understand why people want to keep their nails that long. I guess if you like the way it looks, that's fine. To me, I would think it would make life difficult trying to manipulate bottles, keys, change for people when you're, you know, dealing with cash. I don't know. But with that being the case, you know that your fingernails, or you should know that your fingernails won't work on your phone. Uh, so why would it work on any other touch screen? You have to use the pads of your fingers. Some people just ain't bright. <laughs> in which Microsoft Teams is heretical sorcery. At my last job, the L2 IT support team was tasked with assisting with switching our user base from Skype to Teams. I figured that the transition would go over well enough, barring the normal bumps that come with any software transition. I worked in the public sector in a US state. However, one supervisor and a customer support decided any change was, what the hell is that word? Anathema. 
whatever, to their manager style and made it loud and clear to the IT support team. She stated that she couldn't monitor her staff remotely without their enforced Skype check-ins. I often was forced into taking inbound calls due to the L1 team being short-staffed and overstretched as it was. On this day, I was asked to take calls due to the team's transition. Hi, this is L2 with department. Why are you forcing teams onto us? Uh, this was a decision by the admin teams to make sure we have Microsoft support. My agents say it's too hard to understand. We have a whole site dedicated to, no, 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 I need someone to sit with each person to explain how it works to them. Uh, I don't recall any quests for assistance. Most of the call agents work from home full time. I haven't gotten many calls or tickets from the public service desk about it. Well, they set themselves to busy and they need to be available at all times. They need to be taught how the software works so I can monitor them. Uh, I can point them to the online guide and they can call or submit a ticket if they have an issue or have a question a teammate can't answer. At this point, I figured this was a manager having issues adapting to a software that didn't take much training for our user base to embrace. Skype wasn't doing it for most of the users, including the call agents. Well, I don't get it at all. The software is not user-friendly. Not user-friendly tends to mean that the user can't understand a UI within 0.002 milliseconds of looking at it. It's like some stupid Harry Potter magic and I'm just the person who can't read spell books. Explain it to me, oh wizard. She's clearly seething at this point, eager to take it out on someone after being inconvenienced by a software update. Alright, you can tell your team they can call me directly if they have any questions or concerns. I'm trained on these unknown magics. She clearly wants to rant more about how IT decisions need a 12-step approval process. I state that changes are made with everyone's input and that she should take it to department head guy with cool head and is sympathetic to IT teams. And I end the call there. I end up reaching out to a call agent that was under supervisor lady, who I worked with before about their team's install. They were just happy they had something more robust than Skype for work. No issues from them or their team members. The caller ended up leaving the organization a month later due to not gelling with the department anymore. So basically, Teams was too abstract for this manager to get her head around. Everybody else was working well with it fine. The only thing she couldn't do was figure out how it worked and how she could get on there to keep an eye on everybody, spy on them, uh, manage production time. I don't know. But obviously, she doesn't have the temperament for management, so it's probably a good thing that she moved on. Poor DR strategy leads to free clothes for all. Apologies in advance for length. I'm notorious for using 10 words where one would suffice. Me too. This happened probably 18 years ago and the company's been out of business for a significant length of time, so it's probably safe to tell this story now. I once worked for a company who specialized in building retail management software for clothing retailers. One of our customers was run by a very opinionated CEO who thought he knew everything about everything and could be very difficult to deal with if you weren't on his right side. One day we received a support call from them, stating that their production server had crashed. Firmware issue with their new HP servers caused the disks to corrupt themselves, and they needed help with DR. It's worth noting that our system encompassed pretty much their entire operations apart from the finance, purchasing, inventory, point of sale, telesales, warehousing, everything ran against this one database in an online manner i.e. point of sale in every store was a web application running online against the one database. Great for real-time data accuracy. Terrible in a DR situation because the entire business comes to a halt. Anyway, we went in and asked about their backups. The CEO and CTO had been butting heads about DR and didn't have anything finalized, let alone working. So no SQL backups. This is not good. So we shipped the server and disks off to a forensic data recovery firm, and within a couple of days they managed to recover 99% of the database. A support call was logged with HP about the firmware fault. Patches installed, the database recovered and rebuilt, and brought back online. 
The company basically ran on paper for those couple days and had to manually enter two to three days of sales and orders data, but they essentially got away with the near disaster without serious consequences. Life goes on. I work on site with them doing custom development a few days a week, and over the next few months I listen in the background as the headbutting between CEO and CIO continue for months about DR strategies. I thought it was a CTO. Anyway. Grand designs about a fully automated failover to a second environment are mapped out and costed, then rejected, then new plans drawn up, etc. One day around the end of October, I'm working on some changes that need up-to-date data, and I ask the DBA if the test environment can be refreshed with the backups from the previous night. The answer? No, because the most recent backup that the DBA has is three months old. Say what? I literally shout at the DBA. Yes, now you know why I'm using air quotes for his name to make a backup of the production database right this second and get some nightly sorted. Off he goes and makes a backup. I can't remember now why I didn't end up using that backup for my testing. Possibly I just got busy. But a few days later, the HP server suffered the same hiccup as six months before and corrupted the disks on the server. Crap. Well, at least this time we have a fairly recent two to three day old backup we can work from, right? Wrong. Yes, there was that manual SQL backup, but this DBA had made the backup onto the same disks as the production database. The ones that were now corrupted, and he still hadn't set up any nightly backups to anywhere. This time, the forensics guys couldn't work their magic. The database was toast. All we had to go on for getting this system back up and running was the test database, now three months old and with test data that needed cleaning out. Spreadsheets, data files, records from their websites, etc. I spent weeks trying to rebuild customer histories, customer order histories, inventory positions from these files. The warehouse and every store had to perform full stock takes. There was a three month gap in their sales histories that they had to paper over in their financials by resorting to bank transactions. Customers were calling up asking what happened to their website and telesales orders and told, we don't even have you in our system, let alone your order. The kicker is that they had an electronic store credit system, which of course was stored in that database. Return an item, it goes into the system as a store credit you can use when you next shop. But with a three month gap in sales, returns, and order history, there was no way of determining a customer's store credit balance. So from then on, I don't know exactly how long, I stopped doing work for them soon after. You could walk into any of their stores, go to the counter with some goods and say, oh, I thought I had $100 store credit. And the staff would trust you weren't lying and let you leave without paying a cent. <laughs> Kids, never land your only backups on production hardware. That's kind of like my bad habits of when I used to do backups on a hard drive, a secondary hard drive in my PC. Uh, a, there's a chance that it could still get corrupted. B, if the thing burns up, both of them could burn up. Having it in the same house with you or in the same building, same office, whatever, also puts it at risk either in the cloud offsite or on an external hard drive in a fire safe or hard drive offsite whatever. I'm getting there. It's slow, but I'm getting there. <laughs> but most of that was just out of laziness. I know the dangers and it's kind of like playing the odds, but yeah, I got to do it right. Hey, if you want more of these stories, do me a favor and click this video right here. Till the next one, we'll see you.